I'm really growing more and more fond of this job every day. It, it's just awesome, the stories that we hear. We have Dr. Nima Mehran on, who's a sports medicine orthopedic surgeon from Southern California. Uh, he's been there most of his entire life. He it is just infectious in his attitude. He's so positive, such great energy. I love his team approach. He's he's a very powerful person on social media. Only been in practice for six years, but he's with Kaiser Permanente, with Ron Navarro and the crew down there, and he's really making a difference, really upping his game. The people of Southern California are so fortunate to have him. It's a great interview. I know you're going to love it. I am really excited. We're taking a little pivot here at the Ortho Show, and we're bringing you now Pitch Pro. We have an amazing group of panelists Think of it sort of like a shark tank for orthopedics. Joe Mullings, Vin Dasa, the fro, and the bearded one, Matthew Ray Scott, on a panel where medical device and pharma companies come in to pitch their story. We listen, we talk, we provide advice, and it is a hoot. We have amazing personalities. We provide amazing counsel and advice uh, to these groups. We are having a lot of fun you guys are going to love it. Pitch Pro by The Ortho Show. From medical media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello, world. Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon, here to host another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic space. We are so excited today to have Dr. Nima Mehran, a sports medicine orthopedic surgeon from Kaiser Permanente in Southern California, who's going to be our guest today. It's really a shame, you know, that we couldn't go with video because. You know, to be perfectly honest, as he texted Heather earlier today, he's like, you know, my face is the moneymaker, but we'll have to just go with audio. How are you, brother? I cannot confirm or deny those allegations. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So how are you, man? It's been a while. It's been a long time since we've seen you in person. How's Southern California? It's beautiful. You know, it's nice and sunny. Everything's going well. Can't complain. We, we, we've been very lucky since this pandemic, you know. Have you guys, uh, have you opened back up again? You're one of the stragglers out there to sort of open up for regular stuff. Are you still going on right now? Oh, no, we're, we're, we're fully open. We've been open for a while. Good, 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 good. Yeah, one of our, one of our favorite places. God bless you for living there and being part of all that craziness. Is is the traffic back at this point too? That's not anything that anybody ever misses in, in L.A.? Oh, it's been back for months, man. It's, uh, you know, my, my commute got so short. It's usually about 45 to, minutes to an hour. And it was around 20, 22 minutes during the, the yeah. height of the pandemic. And it's been back for four or five months. <laughs> so so I'll tell you a funny story. I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the show or not. So it's 1995. You know, I move out cross country. We drive the van across the country and uh, move on into the Esplanade at, in Redondo Beach. And, and I'm driving to work like the second day. And all of a sudden I hear this thing across the radio. Beep, beep, beep. This is a SIG alert. This is a SIG alert. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I just moved here a day ago. How are they having an alert about me already? <laughs> For the listeners out there, it's this thing where they have these like traffic accidents. There's some guy named SIG or something. I don't know. But every time there's like a big traffic accident, they give a SIG alert. So 
I thought that was the funniest thing. Yeah, I remember that when I was a kid. My dad used to always listen to that, and I used to always hear the Sigler. He used to throw me off. I'm like, can we just listen to some 102.7 Kiss FM or something? <laughs> I called Ramin Modaber, who's like my dear buddy. I'm like, dude, I've like only been here for two days, and they're already making alerts about me. What's going on? It's oh, the pro. It is Gotta the love pro. it. Yeah, no, that was pre-fro, dude. We, that was well before the pro back then. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's it's great. So, look, we always like to start from the beginning. So you're born and bred in, in Southern California, right? I was actually born in uh, in Iran. Tehran, oh. Iran. Came over when I was two and then raised uh, uh, kind of a little bit all over Downey, Lakewood, and then moved over to uh, La Mirada in Orange County. Awesome. So most of your, your, your life has been spent in the Southern California beauty, uh, for sure. And so... When and you stuck around for USC for undergrad too, which is not an easy feat actually to get in USC. It's incredibly difficult, even probably even more so now. But so when was when did the bug come for orthopedics and medicine for you? Well, actually, it's, it's such a funny story. It's it almost sounds like it's it's made up, but it's so it's so crazy. It's true. It's when I was seven years old. My dad was one of the biggest you know Lakers fans in the world. He's he's that typical immigrant story. Comes over to the United States, just falls in love with Magic Johnson and the Lakers you know, obsessed. And so instead of watching cartoons growing up, I was stuck watching the Lakers always. And it became a, a, a passion of mine. Well, I remember at the time, um, my mom was really into medicine and she always wanted to be a doctor. So it kind of my passion came from her. Well, combining the two, watching, you know, the team physicians and, and that experience, I remember I heard the name Curl and Job around the age of seven. I think it was because Dr. Lombardo was doing something and something came up. So around the age of seven, I told my mom, I'm like, I think you know, if I don't make it to the NBA, which, as you know, I did not. Unfortunately, the Lakers never called. Um, I would want to be a team doctor. And so I had that dream from a really young age. And then somewhere along the lines of medical school or so, uh, right going from college to medical school, I was thinking about maybe trying other fields, kind of forgot about it. And then I did a rotation my fourth year and went right back down that route. Yeah, that, that's awesome. You know, I, I've got a great Steve Lombardo story, you know, so for the listeners out there, I did my fellowship at Curlin Job in 1995, 96. And uh, so, you know, Steve, Steve was what a great guy, just a legend, you know, Amazing. And, and taking care of the Lakers really since their, their inception. And he said, Scott, he said to me one day, Scott, he's like, you know, when I first took over, like in the 70s and the 80s, you might not be able to recognize this, but I came to work in nicer cars than the players did. <laughs> I said, that's clearly not happening now. That's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, you know, he told me something crazy too, back when I was, uh, when I was a fellow there as well, he told me that in the seventies and even up to the early eighties before, you know, you got to Johnson and bird and the players were getting paid more. A lot of the NBA players had summer jobs. Yeah. And, uh, Kermit Washington came in to see us in clinic one day and he was telling me that he was, he did stuff like in the summer, like, you know, I don't know if it was air conditioning. I can't remember what his job was, but it was, these guys were doing real summer jobs. And nowadays, I mean, my God, those salaries are way different. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's crazy what those guys are making now, you know, well, for sure. But uh, all right, so then you go to Chicago for medical school, and then you decide you're going to do your residency at Henry Ford. And I got to say, you know, I'm all about shout outs at the Ortho Show. We're going to have to give out some serious shout outs. But man, I'll tell you, Henry Ford residency is cranking out some really good orthopedic surgeons, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's definitely, you. I think you already had Dr. Okoroha on here, right? From uh, Mayo. Um, yep. He was one of my junior residents, um, him, Rob Keller and I, and uh, Dr. Uh, Nathan Marshall, uh, with our mentor at the time, Dr. Mitsuros and Dr. Parsons, we just started revamping that program in terms of how to publish research and how to, 
um, how to just come together and help help each other rise rather than hold each other back and fight fight for the same piece of pie. You know, we try to make that pie larger and we started pushing each other in a very friendly way. We play sports together, we work out together, we study together. And it led to a lot of guys just becoming a lot more productive and just becoming each other's biggest fans. And that place has a special place in my heart. Yeah, you guys cranked out some serious research there. I mean, it was funny because it's always like a two or three year delay, you know, to get the research published and whatnot. And then there was like this window of time where it's like it, you guys were just like every day there was another paper coming out of Henry Ford that you guys maybe it was even like a multimodal study with another with another you know hospital system as well. But you guys were really cranking it out. What about what about Massey? Was Massey in the program at the same time? Uh, Carrie Massey Reynolds? Out oh, in- Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. So so Massey was in a different program. He was uh, because uh, he was in the uh, the DO specific program, which is at a different hospital. Oh, so it's still part of the Henry Ford system, though. It's a part of the health system because Henry Ford's a large health system, right? It's sure, kind of like that Kaiser sure. model. It's pretty large in that in, in the state of Michigan, several hospitals. So he was in a different hospital, but they would come once a week and they would do education with us. Awesome. So that's wow. how I got to know him. He is a he's a wonderful guy. Just a yeah. Son. Yeah, he's 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 a great guy, and like it's so funny. He, you're, we'll we'll get the social media for you and your wife too. But you know, he's got this beautiful wife who's also a doctor out there, and all you yeah. do is be mossy, like skateboarding or like surfing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and no, he's a stud. He's a total stud. He's doing all this really cool surgery and stuff too. He's just a he's a hoot to watch. And then it's what is it? It's River and Jet or his kids, and they're just as beautiful as they are. You know? Oh it's, yeah, that's a good that's a good looking family. Yeah, no, that's a good. Yeah. He's got he's got some of the best hair I've seen, probably second to you. I know orthopedic hair, man. It's a big deal. It's a big <laughs> thing. Well, Mossy, you're coming on, brother. You just don't know it yet, but we're gonna get. We have to wait till we go to video for that for sure. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, His it. face is really the money maker. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, all right. So then, so you're at Henry Ford, and uh, you know, you you, you decide you're going to want to do sports medicine, and and how did? So let's talk about the selection process. I mean. You know, it, it's gotten super competitive at this point now. And when you're trying to figure out where you're going to do a sports fellowships, you know, what what other fellowships did you look at and what were your thoughts as you were applying and going through the, the fellowship gig? Yeah. So for me, it was genuinely it was it was K-Jocker bust. Yeah. Like I wanted to be there from day one because of my childhood and kind of, you know, knowing the names and being a part of L.A. and seeing these doctors. And so for me, it was it was a dream of mine. You know, I remember when I got that uh, that letter, I was at a. I was at Gillette Hospital in uh, doing a peds rotation, and we got the message, you know, where you know your your match results are in. So I kind of I was in between cases, and before I went to go meet the next patient, I went to the stairwell because I was I was too nervous. I was nervous I wasn't going to get that number one choice. And I look at it, and you know, it says KJOC, and I call my uh, at the time was was my um, my girlfriend now wife, and I call her, and I literally had a tear in my eye. I was so excited about it. Um, but I, I was really into a lot of other, a lot of other programs as well that to be honest, I, almost every program I interviewed, at was fantastic. I just had my heart set on KJOC from the moment I, um, I applied or far, far before that. But, uh, I, I was looking at Cleveland clinic, um, Mayo, actually Mayo was starting their program and they just have some all-star surgeons and just really great, great humans. Um, you know, I was looking at the, the New York programs, the, the Chicago programs, you know, basically all the, all the, all the big sports medicine, you know, programs all throughout the country. I was, I was super interested in, it was more about, and you keep seeing the same people on, on the trail, oh, make sure. so many friends, right. And these people end sure. up becoming your colleagues where there's guys that I interviewed with that through those, you know, 10, 15 interviews, they are now good friends where we're still texting each other's 
you know, eight years later about okay. cases. That's so it's, it was, it's been a wonderful experience. There's nothing better than the North though. It's a family. Yeah, no, it, it totally is. And, uh, and it's funny, the network that, especially within the, the, the social media, you know, sort of LinkedIn world, and we'll talk a little bit about that too, but you know, so you have this lifelong dream and, and what, how cool is that, man? Now, now not only are you going back home, but you know, you're going to be on the floor of the Lakers games, helping to take care of those players. I mean, what, how just so special, oh, such an amazing, yeah. amazing, you know, year and experience. So, so you were, were you, so you definitely were still when it was just Curl and Job, right? When did the merger happen? That was about three years ago. So you mean with Smog? With Smog and then, then also into Cedar. Cedar Sinai, I think was just like two years ago. I think when the three got together. That merger or that or, or acquisition or whatever it was, was right before me. But us and Smog were not like one program in any of that when I was there. It was separate programs. And Cedars, although involved with the doctors, they weren't as involved. Now it's become, you know, the name was still just Curl and Joe at the time and things sure, like that. So sure, that's really sure. changed since I've been there. Yeah. So we got to talk about that fellowship year. I mean, not for yeah. me, you know, to this day, 26 years into practice, you know, that Curl and Joe certificate on the wall just opens up doors and always has for my entire time I've been in clinical practice. And rightfully so, not just because it's just the name, but it's the experience, right? I mean, the people that you work with, the, the, the relationships you de- develop with your fellows, but yet the mentor surgeons that you're working with and then the experience of caring for the athletes and, and the game coverage. So just let's talk, I mean, tell me about your experience at Curl and Job. I, I just love to hear it, you know, 20 years later as to what was going on. Yeah, no, I loved it. When I, I was actually one of the last, I think maybe if not the last year, uh, one of the last years where they had all the teams before some of the other, you know, programs in LA have taken some of the teams. So, you know, you go there and it's just this, phenomenal place with unbelievable doctors and nurses and staff and everyone is just you know dialed in everyone wants to do to take care of patients like every patient is a pro athlete and it's just it's the the culture is you know fantastic and um everyone's excited to be there every the fellows are just become like you become like a family you you know when you're not when you're not you know uh following a team or you know covering a team or or working with doctors elatrosh or taboni or karazi and and so and so and learning in the OR, you're in the lab. Our lab is right down the hall. We're in that lab operating and practicing cases. And, um, you know, yeah, after that, we go out to happy hour together. It's just, it's just a phenomenal year. That year is what, you know, it's one of the best years of your, of your medical career. And for me, it was extra special because I, you know, we got to be, for me, I got to be a part of that Lakers, you know, medical staff. And that was a great experience. You know, Kobe's last season, being a part of that, watching that entire, you know, uh, experience take place and watching watching his career hit that peak and and and, and be completed um, and just you know all of that everything that that took place all the experiences you got the thing that I learned the most there the thing that I think made me a better doctor was actually not the surgical experience or um, one specific physician it was the clinical experience it was all the doctors giving you their years of knowledge and experience the things that they've done to perfect their craft and the ability to pick up little details on exam and, and through history. And I think it became a better clinician. And that's what I'm so grateful uh, about that experience. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is pretty remarkable. I mean, I love the fact that they have the lab now that didn't really exist, exist when we were there and, and, you know, cadaveric learning was at its sort of its infancy, but I mean, think about it, right. You're, you're getting clinical experience on examination and making, I mean, 
look, you, you can make a great surgeon, right? But if you don't have the right indications for surgery, you're not going to get great outcomes. And so you need to know as much when to operate and when not to operate and watching and working with incredible mentors on the clinical side. And then you go to the operating room with them and you see these, you know, iconic figures, you know, and you're then operating on just not the, you know, you take care of a lot of professional athletes, but just also just people that want to come yeah. and be treated by, you know, that high level of care. And then you also learn really important. It's it's not easy to be a team physician, and there's a lot of skill set involved in learning how to do that. You're not there to be anybody's best friend. You're there to be a clinician and take care of these athletes, uh, and learning how to 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 sort of be able to do that process. So it's one of the few places, you know, across the country that that really allow you that complete package of learning and understanding how to deal with with athletes and sports related injuries. Yeah, it goes back to what everyone always says about comparing an arthroscopy fellowship versus a sports medicine fellowship. That is a true sports medicine fellowship. Well, you know, the questions you learn to ask, your goal is to get these people back to doing the things they love most. It's a very different style. We're not just doing surgery. We're taking care of that patient or athlete from start to finish and making sure that they can be the best version of themselves after we're done. And that and then the experience with the physical therapist you know, occupational therapists, the nurses, every single medical professional, chiropractors, you really start to realize we are all, you know, uh, a part of this team. There's not one person that's just leading the charge where you become a team at, uh, mentality. And it's a wonderful experience. Yeah, com- completely agree. And then you take the knowledge that you've learned from that team process, and then you apply it to to your patients. And, you know, not every patient's going to be a pro athlete, but the 16 year old that injures himself playing little league or the 40 year old that's still playing hockey. I mean, they need, they have injuries and they want to be cared for. And you apply those principles across all of your patients. And you really learn from those mentors in that team approach and you become a terrific clinician yourself. So, you know, so, so fantastic. So amazing time at Curl and Job, which is no great surprise. Yeah. And then the big decision, right? So you're a Southern California guy and you're going to decide what, there's no competition in LA. There's not a lot of good orthopedic surgeons there. So you're just going to set up shop and go to work. And, and I really, you know, Ron Navarro is a good friend of the ortho show and just a, an amazing guy who, who runs Kaiser Permanente. And so, so, you know, talk to us. I mean, was it was it an easy decision for you to go to Kaiser? Were you thinking about private practice outside? I mean, what, what was your thought process? Yeah, it's such, first of all, I talked to Ron yesterday. He just called me. You know, that guy's a wonderful guy, just a wonderful guy, wonderful mentor. He looks out for people. He just wants to see you be the best version of you. So I got to give him a shout out. And my father-in-law told me to go ahead and go old school. And I literally wrote handwritten letters to practices all around LA. And I did it all year. Um, you know, sent my resumes and I, I did that. And I, I heard back from about 11 or 12 places. I ended up interviewing at 11 places. Um, and I actually, it worked out so great because of his advice. I got eight job offers. I couldn't wow. have been better. Yeah. Could not wow. have been better. Unbelievable. Now, that's from Orange County all the way to, uh, Ventura County. Right. Cause that was my, sure. that was my goal. Um, sure. talked to several private practices, uh, talked to, you know, some academic places. Now that was you know, out of state a little bit. Uh, and when I sat back and thought about it, the problem for me was I, I wanted to do sports medicine. And there were certain places where they really wanted a guy that was going to do general orthopedics only. They wanted, you know, someone to do mostly joint reconstruction. They wanted a lot of trauma. And there was other places where salaries were way too low. My wife and I both owed a ton of money from, 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 on, uh, from med school. You know, we were full loans, 400K each. 
So wow. I couldn't I couldn't take so the, the so four hundred K each between the two of you. You yeah. had eight hundred thousand dollars in medical school loans before you took your first real job. Yeah, actually, maybe more, maybe close to nine hundred. Actually, now that I think, oh about my it. god, yeah, oh. um, but yeah, so we, so it was a big deal. So some of these jobs that were these private practices that could start you at such a low salary, they were, I mean, in LA, they, there's places that are offering as low as one hundred and twenty or one hundred and fifty, and so that's a that's a hard thing to do for for someone who owes that much money. And you got to think about your family. So sometimes the best, some of the opportunities where you may have had the most growth weren't even realistic at the time because it was going to take too many years and. Yeah, it's such a such large debt. So I, I, I took everything into account, thought about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to be um, be able to make my own practice. Uh, and when I spoke to the team at Kaiser, there was some excellent surgeons there and they were really into the idea of helping you grow. And they, you know, I thought, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is if I go there and I'm unhappy and it's not my style, I'm doing more surgeries than all my colleagues because they're trying to build private practices where they're not going to be doing as much. So I'll be doing more cases. If I'm not good enough at something, there's people ahead of me that I can always ask to come help me with the case. I can continue to learn. And um, I have the ability to be taking care of the largest patient network in all of Southern California. We take care of 4.5 million patients. And I want to go there and be one of the best at it. And that's what I thought I would do. And so I went there and I've had a great experience. So no complaints whatsoever. It ended up working out. No, I love it. I mean, you know, think about it. First and foremost, you know, we were talking to Ron. He's like, look. Look, Scott, like they keep pushing up the prices and this, that, and the other, and the salaries keep going up all around us. That's great for us at Kaiser because they have to keep raising our salaries to be able to keep us, you know, in, in play. And so so you're you're gonna make good money. But what I really like for someone like yourself who's fellowship trained, I mean, you jumped on board and you get busy right away. Right you're away. getting referrals to do all of the complex sports cases that you wanted to do. If you go into private practice, you got to sit there and wait your turn. And it takes maybe 10 years to build up a book of business. You know, it's it takes a long time to really get there. And so I think from that perspective, it, you really accelerate your growth in practice and diversity and be able to do all those things. So I, I love it for you guys. I mean, I hear I keep hearing about great things and there's research that you guys are now doing, too, with Ron as well. Yeah. So, you know, it, it sounds to me like it was really a, a really well thought out and good decision for you. Yeah. And the mentorship model, right? There's certain times there's, you know, I, I did mostly BTB and hamstring going into, in, into that system. One of my partners studied with Arciero and he's very close to Arciero, Justin Yang. And he said, Hey, let me show you the quad. And I go, yeah, this is a great opportunity to learn something new. And it became something for me that really kind of replaced the hamstring because I like the graph more, especially for those recreational athletes. I loved it. You know, I use it as a soft tissue graph. So I got to the point where I was like, this is awesome. I learned a new procedure. I have another partner taught me a new procedure. And like, you're continuing to learn. We have the ability to team up to do cases that sometimes need two surgeons because we're not in a position where we have to pump things out, you know? So there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, and then the other, the other aspect that really kind of made me, really happy with my choice was I have several colleagues, you know, co-fellows, co-residents who are in the LA area that tell me sometimes they really struggle. They, they have a patient come see them for an ACL uh, consult. And they also saw three or four other people. Yeah. And it's just like, my, I, I can't even get an ACL. And, and, they're, and these guys are phenomenal. Chris Jones once said, you know, Chris Jones, one of my favorite people out in LA, he's a great surgeon over at UCLA. He once said this to me. I thought it was a, the, first of all, one of the kindest, smartest things that one of my orthopod colleagues can say. He said, he told someone, you can take a stone and throw it out 
and you will hit an excellent sports medicine surgeon in LA. That's how many good ones there are. And I, and I'm, and I'm with him on that page. There's so many great docs. Patients have no idea how lucky they are. It's just amazing. These guys are all fantastic guys and gals, right? Yeah. Guys and gals. And you know, yeah. as, as, as Bill Levine told, tells the story when he was out of Columbia, when he first came in, it's like, you know, the lady sits down and she has like four opinions or she says, well, why should you do my surgery? And so, right, because you've got the, all these people around. The beautiful thing about the Kaiser model is that it's a closed system and these patients are happy to be cared for and they're not going anywhere. They're coming to you and they're going to have their treatment. It's interesting. You know, I, I practice in Lowell, Massachusetts, which is about 30 miles north of Boston. And, and it doesn't seem like it's that far with the great you know medical schools and, and training that's down in Boston. But a lot of our patients like to stay too. They just want to stay in the environment in which they know it's not a real closed system like Kaiser, but but people do appreciate the care that they get locally. So that really helps to take yeah. the pressure off or really allows you to develop your practice. And, mm-hmm. and like anything else, if you're going to get, you got to get the reps in to get good at what you're doing, right? And so Absolutely. if you can do it. If you could do 100 ACLs a year, man, you're going to be really good at it. And uh, and then your skill set gets up. And and so, yeah, really, you know, kudos for you and the decision. And, and I think it's really been a great choice for you. And, and I, I love your progress and, and where you are. So one of the other things that, that we share an interest in, which is really becoming a growing uh, a thing for orthopedic surgeons, young physicians, not so much the older guys like me, but it's really social media. People are really looking for their voice, their brand as to who they are and the messaging that they do. And, you know, I really admire the work that you do. And I'm going to have to jump out here and assume uh, that you do most of your social media on your own, right? I mean, that's... Absolutely. Yeah, and you can tell, you can always tell the people that do it themselves that it's passionate, it's who you are. I mean, so... What's what's your favorite message? What 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 are the things that you like to accomplish on social media with with your large, you know, following that really appreciates what you do? You know, it's funny. People always ask. A lot of uh, colleagues ask me. They go, you know, why why do you do this if it takes so much time, and you know, there's no monetary return? And I tell them it's because my quality of life is better, and my patients relate to me more. So my patients come in, they trust me more. I'm getting patients that meet that are similar to my personality. They're passionate and they want to get better. And I'm, so I'm taking care of people I like to take care of. Um, my goals on it are pretty simple. One, I really love the camaraderie with my colleagues, orthopedic, physical therapy, you know, uh, occupational therapy, nurses, everybody, you know, uh, PAs, uh, chiropractors, that, that camaraderie we're building. We're building trust with one another. We're appreciating one another's work. We're learning from each other. And I like to make sure that orthopedics has a, a say, you know, we, there's a lot more therapists and trainers and, and that are out there. And it's nice to have, you know, the surgeons also talk about their experiences so patients can learn from that. So I like to have patient education. I like to have, you know, uh, good discussions, collegial discussions with other departments and other, other fields. Um, and, and, and most importantly, I, I try my hardest to just be genuine and respond to people. I try not to give medical advice. You know, that's not really, you know, you, it's, you're not doing a patient justice when you don't see their images. You don't do an exam to give them medical advice. I just like to discuss cases and, and, and you know, just have education out there because people, people appreciate it. And people reach out all the time and they're just so kind on, on the social media side. You know, for me on Instagram, people have been nothing but kind. I've had maybe one bad experience in six, seven years. I've really slowed down. I, I only post when I have something to say, 
And like right now, I probably haven't posted in two months. <laughs> no, we've been really busy. I haven't had much to say. I just, you know, I just try to do my best and, and put information out there and hopefully people appreciate it. No, you're, 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 you're genuine. And, and that, that, that genuineness really comes through and it's, it's really palpable. And, you know, I, I love the way you do have that camaraderie across the, you know, your orthopedic surgeons and the physical therapists. And the, you know, I keep hearing that from you over and over again. It's really about the team. It's about the process of all working together. And I really admire that. So give a couple of tips to the young guys that may be coming out uh, from the social media side of things that, that would, would really sort of help them up their game. Yeah, that's, that's great. I'm actually glad you asked that. Uh, Dr. Okoroha and I are doing a talk at the academy. So if anybody wants to come listen, we're doing a talk. I don't know the day or time, but I'll probably post about it, but we're doing a talk on uh, maybe it's Wednesday um, on how to integrate social media into your practice. Um, So what I would say is the number one most important thing is don't post just to post, you know, post when you have something to say post because there's, there's news post because there's something that you want to educate people about um, you know, one of the things I do is I put a lot of posts up there that I can actually refer to for my patients. Sometimes my patients have more questions and I'll tell them, I, you know, I have a post on these graph choices. I have a post about why you shouldn't put a pillow behind your knee because it may hurt your extension. You know, these commonly things that come, these common questions that come up in clinic, I try to post about stuff like that. Common questions that come up with therapists. I try to post about stuff like that. Um, be, be yourself, be genuine. Uh, don't, I think, you know, if you see my, my, um, following, I don't ever try to go for followers. It's not, that's not, I'm not posting for, to get more followers. I can care less what the number is. Um, you know, so I try to just do things that I'm interested in and be, be myself. Uh, hopefully people like that. It'll probably upset some people sometimes. Uh, I try not to get involved in, um, giving medical advice. I think that's a, that's a mistake because again, you're not doing justice to the patient or yourself. Uh, it's a slippery slope. And, and most importantly, um, I try to take the time to be respectful of everyone in that community and understand perspectives. And if there's ever a difference of opinion, appreciate, you know, appreciate the fact that they stood out, you know, they're taking a, a risk and commenting and say, hey, you know, I appreciate this comment. Here's some other reasons why I think the, these are uh, other ideas that you may want to consider and just be respectful in the process because people are putting themselves out there and it's, it's not always easy. And and uh, one of the things I do, I try my hardest and I've, I haven't done to date is I don't believe in ever, um, I, I, I don't have any sponsors, right? If I really loved a knee brace, I'm going to post about it because I love that knee brace for patients because it's something that I think is great. I'm not getting paid ever to do something like that. I just want to be as true to myself as possible. And so that way, whenever I send a message, people know, hey, this person really feels this way. He believes in something rather than hey, maybe he got paid for it. So I try my best to stay pretty true to that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fantastic advice and counsel. I highly recommend that if you're going to be at the Academy that you head out for that session. I think that you and Kalechi will probably give an amazing talk. I will definitely uh, stop by myself yeah. and throw a little fro into the action there uh, and, uh, and be a part of it as well. You know, I this has really become such a fun thing for me, you know, for, for me, Nima, to, to do this ortho show. We, we bring on amazing people like yourself and it's not technical. We don't get bogged down in the surgeries and the other stuff. We just tell really cool stories about unique people and the path that they've taken to where they are. I absolutely 
love your energy. It's infectious. I, I love the team approach that you practice in clinical medicine. It's really been a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. And I got to holler back at you, Scott. I mean, you, you have brought people together all over and you know, anyone who's met you knows it's, it's just such a pleasure to be around you. I've never heard a negative thing about you, my friend. So it's a, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing to do after all your years of experience and time you've been around the orthopedic world. So we're very grateful to have you. Oh, it's my pleasure. We're going to have to get Emily and Allie together back at that poolside back in LA. We got to have another party, get the, get the crew back together. Really looking forward to getting some hugs and, uh, and seeing, seeing each other again, for sure. Absolutely. That was the best 40th birthday party I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> yeah, that, that was awesome. It was a great scene. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the ortho show. Till next time. 